1: Who wait. While hearts are aflame Let me humble my pride And call on your name Keep my faith renewed My eyes only on thee And let me be on this earth Want me to be. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their stream. They shall mount up with wings as each.
0: Jesus taught in parables. These parables contain precious truths that we need to understand. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. In the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus is seated by the Sea of Galilee. I'm thinking it's probably a, a warm spring. And Jesus has healed many people. And now as the crush of people comes, he has something on his heart he wants to share. Now he teaches in parables because the scriptures say they have calloused hearts. But he teaches in parables that some will understand, those who care enough to listen carefully and pray about what he's teaching. So we find he gets into a boat, and he sits out on the lake just a piece so that people won't crush him as he's trying to teach. Verse 2 of chapter 4, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, I suspect that he looked up on the hillside and there was a farmer in his field and he was planting. He says as he was scattering the seeds some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up The plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. And Jesus then said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I would say to you today, please, if you have ears, hear this message to your heart. It's going to be very straight and very honest and very much to the point. When Jesus is with his disciples, a bit later, they're pressing him hard on what does this mean? And Jesus Says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Well, we're told in verse 10 and 11 that the very secret of the kingdom of God has been given to them. The secret of the kingdom of God is revealed in this parable. It's probably one of the most important parables Jesus taught. Now he begins his explanation. The farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the scripture. He sows the announcement of the kingdom of God. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. How can he do that? Well, in Matthew it tells us that the path was hard and packed down. But then we come to verse 16. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the portion of the scripture that we'll talk about today. Seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and they receive it with joy. But they last only a short time or some other translations have that they that they enjoy it for a time well what would constitute rocky ground what makes spiritual ground rocky well part of it we have to go to the old testament to look at Keep your finger right there in Mark 4. We're going to be back to that passage of Scripture. But if you'll go with me, please, over here to Isaiah, the 50th chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? So part of the problem that immediately begins to show up circles around this question. When they heard the word, was there any fear in their heart? As the word begins to pierce them and penetrate to the very soul, is there any fear of God that begins to rise up Any recognition that God is holy, that he is separate, that he is above all. He says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Those two things go together. Are you willing to allow the fear of God to begin to enter your heart? And will you obey the word of God when it comes to you. Rocky soil says, that's not comfortable for me. I don't think you're right and I'm not going to listen. And then Isaiah continues. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. So if I am unsure of what I should do, if I am in the dark this darkness is not sin this darkness is lack of understanding this darkness is walking without a light what shall I do what course of action should I pursue well again we come back to who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant. That means we're going to have to wait for the word of the Lord to come to us. And if you're impatient, and you will not wait for the Lord to come, and you won't wait for the direction. Now let me give you an example. This morning in the early hours, as I came into the prayer closet, I said, Lord, I'm not certain how to deal with today's topic. Would you open it for me? And my mind was racing. I could go this direction. I could go that direction. What do I do with this message today that is so vital for your people? And I said, Lord, I'm going to wait before you. And my soul became quiet. My mind stopped racing. I quieted myself with songs of praise and words of worship. And as I did so, I was very clear about what I needed to say to you today. But without the fear of the Lord and without being willing to obey His word, to wait on the Lord... I would not have a message for you. Let him who walks in the dark and who has no light trust in the name of the Lord, not trust in my own understanding. Rocky soil comes out of my own understanding, not the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And there are times when I have to just come and sit before the Lord. In fact, every day that time comes where I come and just sit before the Lord, kneel, lay on the floor, wait before the Lord with my heart in full trust and obedience to his word. It says, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Someone who has rocky soil in their heart will not rely on God they won't wait. They're impatient. They have to know now. They're in a crisis, and they have to have the answer now. And if God doesn't give it to them now, they're angry. They're impatient. They can't wait. And then he begins, but now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires. In that day, they didn't have flashlights. They didn't have electric lights in the house. So they would light a a torch and carry the torch and the, the fire would light their way on the path. He's saying, look, if you don't want to wait on the Lord, you don't want to obey his word, you don't want to trust him, you don't want to go this way, then go ahead and light your own torch and go walk in the light of your fires. The words, a path will be exposed by your light. Go follow it. And this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. You will lie down in torment. So what do I do about this job, Lord? No answer. Well, it pays more money. I'm going to go do it. I have to have more money. You will lie down in torment. Some of you jump from job to job to job, never satisfied, always a problem, never recognizing that you're the problem a rocky heart and the answer is to stop and to wait on the lord and he will give you clear direction about where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do now again in the old testament psalm 27 the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask, verse 4, that this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. that's the cry of a person who has a soft heart. A rocky heart can't cry that. And a person with a rocky heart will enjoy for a brief time the gospel message. But as soon as it cuts across their will, it will turn sour and bitter in their mouth. And they have to decide, what is it you really want? What is it you are seeking with your heart? Is it that you may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple? If that's true, then in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling, He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. But, If I go light my own torch, create my own light, choose my own path, then I'm going to lie down in torture, anguish, pain. Verse 7, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face the heart that's rocky will say, seek his hand. Seek his hand and get him to do for you whatever it is you want him to do. But a soft heart says, seek his face, the intimacy with God. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. That's a person with a soft heart. The scripture said, the person who received the seed, who had a rocky heart, when trouble or persecution came, they died out. They did not know the way of the Lord. Verse 13, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. That word wait in the Hebrew means to bind together, to twist together, to collect, to hope. So if I am waiting for the Lord, I am twisted together in his word, so that it is my very life. I would rather die than go against the word of the Lord. Wait on the Lord and ask Him, please, Lord, teach me your way. Now we come back to this passage in the fourth chapter of Mark. In the explanation that Jesus gives, In verse 16, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. Why do they have no root? Because they have rocks in their heart and they refuse to learn the ways of God. They are impatient When trouble or persecution comes, that is, when difficult circumstances come or when I am treated in a way that I see as undesirable, as unfair, as wrong, when that comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. I was not certain what that was in the Greek, so I looked up the Greek word. It's skandalazo. The same word from which we get in English, scandalize. The King James Version puts it this way. Because of the word, they are offended. And because they are offended, they turn away. They cast away. Well, what is the answer to being offended? Yes, you said it. It is to forgive. So, a very key part of identifying seed that is sown among the rocks, they refuse to forgive. Now, this is a very, very painful and difficult issue. I spent several hours yesterday talking with friends about this issue of forgiveness. We were all struggling with it. At one level or another. Forgiveness is not easy because it means the rocks of anger and bitterness have to be taken out of our hearts. They have to be cast away. Now I want to take you to Matthew, the 18th chapter. He introduces the chapter by speaking about the disciples' question when they ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he calls a little child and has him stand among them. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you change. And that word change is not a casual, easy word. It means a sharp twist in changing position. And become like little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now he continues, And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of the little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet. To be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that no one looks down on one of these little ones, for I tell you, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Is he speaking about children? No. He's speaking about disciples. He's speaking about those who have received the word. It has been sown in their heart. And instead of being rocky soil, instead of being defensive, instead of being hostile, instead of cutting off, these little ones are innocent. And love is in their heart. He speaks further about these little ones. In verse 12, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. I want you to hear me clearly now. The Lord God of heaven does not want you to be lost if right now you find your heart is very hard and rocky. He does not want you to be lost, and He's going to come looking for you. And He's going to call you to repent. Now, in verse 15, he begins a very interesting discussion, and we need to be very careful with this discussion, lest it become a personal vendetta. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every manner may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, wait a minute. Things are getting very serious now. Very serious. This is true. This is true, and it's about real sin. It's not being offended by someone. It is someone who sins in the church. It is someone who sins against you in a manner that is destructive to the body of Christ. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you were a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, shun him, cut him off don't associate with him. He's not a brother. He's not a sister. Now, the seriousness of this is found in verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Now let's be clear. Matthew 18 is talking about a church discipline process. But it is not about casualness. It's not about personal offense. If someone says something to me, and speaks to me in a harsh manner that I don't appreciate, and I am offended by that, do I then take someone, or do I then go to that person and confront them, and if they don't listen to me, do I then take somebody, and if they don't listen, then I take the whole church and we do a church trial? Of course not. That's not what's being spoken of here. That is an utter mistranslation, misunderstanding of this passage of Scripture. Now, I want to show you how I know that for certain. Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21. And he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, to eternity. To eternity. There must be forgiveness in my heart for this process to work in the church. There has to be a clear understanding that I have forgiven. I do not go to my brother to deal with his fault because I want him to apologize to me or because I'm angry. If bitterness and anger rise in my heart, I have stones in my heart. The soil of my heart is filled with rocks. But now watch. Jesus becomes very, very serious so that we can understand exactly what's being said here. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's like a million dollars. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Pardon me. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, Canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That is, maybe at most a thousand dollars against a million dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now there's so much in here. I want to go back. The first instance. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Canceled the debt. And let him go. Today, is there anyone in your heart. That you are holding prisoner and demanding payment from. The word of God is let him go. Ah, but I can't let him go. He wronged me. He stole from me. He did this. He did that. How can I let him go? Were you forgiven? How much has God forgiven you? Look at your past. Did you owe that million dollars? The master said to the servant, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You see, rocky soil is unwilling to wait on God, unwilling to trust in the Lord, wants to light their own fires and set their own course, their heart cry is not that they would be in the temple of God, seeking the face of God. And they refuse to forgive others who sin against them. Matthew 18 looks very good because I can go collect my debt. And if the person doesn't listen to me, I'll take two people. And if two people, he won't listen, I'll take the whole church and we'll throw them out. Well, obviously, that's not what the scriptures are talking about. That's flesh. That's a rocky heart. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured, to be tortured. If you will not let another go and forgive them, even if they don't ask you for forgiveness, in the end, God will bring you into a place of torture, a place of anguish and pain. He will reduce you. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now there's a phrase in here that is very difficult I can say, okay, I'll forgive them. And intellectually, I can say they're forgiven. But in my heart, they're not forgiven. In my heart, I still hold a grudge. Someone who wronged me some time ago called me. I saw his name come up on the telephone. I didn't answer. I said, Lord, I need to have some time with you. Could we have some time to talk about this? And for several days, I waited before the Lord For I wanted to know, have I forgiven this brother from my heart? Or do I still have a grudge? Do I still have an edge of anger? And I finally said, Lord, thank you. They are forgiven. And I find nothing in my heart of bitterness or anger. They've not repented. They don't need to repent. I had to repent for my bitterness and my anger and my harsh words spoken to them. Have you forgiven from your heart those who have wronged you? I've made a decision in my heart and in my mind that I can no longer be offended by anyone or anything. I decided that because my default position is I forgive you. From my heart, I forgive you. Now that's possible because I've asked Jesus to remove all the rocks from my heart. Have you? Are you still easily offended? Become angry? Speak harsh words? Or have you just made a decision in Jesus that no one can offend you again because you don't have anything to prove? (laughs) You don't have... You don't have any life left in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, you simply want to wait and trust in the Lord. You want to proclaim His Word. You want to do what the Holy Spirit calls you to do, day by day. (laughs) You want to calculate what a person has done to wrong you and then you want to take it to the Lord and gladly say Lord there's nothing in my heart that's bitter I forgive them now please understand the gospel message will be destroyed in the heart of a person who will not forgive or oh, you can still be very religious you can even be a pastor but you will have no Holy Spirit power or presence you will be able to teach intellectually but you'll have no spirit power and the tenderness and the sweetness of the Lord will not be in you instead will be hard edges defensiveness anger bitterness now there are a couple of other passages just very quickly I want to reference in light of what I'm sharing with you today the Lord's prayer is so vital I find myself praying it every day. It's a model for me in prayer. It begins Our Father in Heaven. Sometimes I wish it would start My Father in Heaven. But it's not My Father, it's Our Father. I'm a part of a family, I'm a part of a church, I'm a part of the called out ones the disciples were taught to pray Our Father because they were a company of followers of Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed is your name, or holy, your name must be considered as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So, Lord, We want your kingdom to come on the earth, even as it has come in heaven. We want you to rule over our hearts. We want only what you want, Jesus. We want your will to be done. I want your will, Jesus, to be done in my life, in my body, in my marriage, in my church. I want your will to be done everywhere I walk. I want your will only, Jesus. That word done. It's an active word. It means generate. The Greek word is the same word we get the word generator from. Your will be generated. Outside of me, your will be electrified be generated on earth as it is in heaven. And then comes this powerful passage. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Putting to the proof the word of God is that he will only forgive you as you have forgiven others. I do not want God to hold me hostage for how I've treated another person or my lack of of forgiveness for the wrongs that they have done. For I have to admit to you I've done far greater wrongs to Jesus than any person has ever done to me. I am much more guilty before God than any person could possibly be guilty before me. Who am I? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. The word for temptation there is. Lead us not into parasmus," Meaning the piercings. Lead us not into the place where we will be pierced through. And deliver us from the evil one literally deliver us from the toil and pain and evil that comes out of the parasmus, because we've not forgiven our debtors. And then just to make it very plain, verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he has set up a standard. Pray the Lord's Prayer. But if you refuse to forgive others, God will not forgive you. He will not forgive you for your sins. You want God to forgive you for your sin against him? Then forgive others for their sin against you. Now, I want to be very clear with this Matthew 6 passage and with the Matthew 18 passage, that in no way does the Lord condone or support or allow physical abuse. And if in the church there is physical abuse of a wife or of a husband, that's a matter that must be dealt with Very plainly and very clearly. But these passages that I've shared with you are not talking about the extreme in the body of Christ. They're addressing, as one person put it, sheep bites as one person speaks to another in a way that they are unhappy about, and perhaps that person was totally wrong, but they will not forgive them. Their, their anger is aroused. Their, the offense has been committed. And the Word of God says that when you take offense— At something that someone has said, you have a rocky heart, and that rocky heart has to be healed. That rocky heart has to be healed. Now there's one more passage I want to turn to today. It's Mark 11, and I've lived in this passage, and it's been a promise to go to. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. The rocky ground of our heart must be broken up. It can only be broken up by honest, sincere repentance as we begin to place our trust in the Lord, as we begin to read and devour His scriptures, and we allow the Lord to change our hearts so that all grudges are forgiven. Today, do you have someone you need to let go of? Have you been holding on to a hurt that is poison to your soul? I've seen churches destroyed with poison in people's hearts and they bite and devour each other. I've seen marriages utterly destroyed because of this rocky heart. Do you have a rocky heart today? Would you break up that rocky heart by repenting and forgiving? and turning with all your heart to the Lord. Now we're out of time for our broadcast today, but I'd like to pray with you quickly. Oh Lord, as we end this broadcast today, I just plead that you would come and move in the hearts of every person listening that we would go through whatever process we need to go through before you and with you in the Spirit and by your blood to have all the anger and bitterness washed away and to come by the power of your Holy Spirit and repent and let the sweetness of your presence fill our hearts and the peace and the joy be released in our souls. Lord, don't let us hold any grudge against anyone, especially not against you. Don't let us come with any accusations against others or against you, Jesus. Please come and heal the broken hearts today who have such anger, and bitterness, and hardness. Lord, come with your mighty power. I plead your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, two. 22- one nine five. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you'll find there many messages and blogs that will be very helpful to you in your journey to heaven. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence
0: of His glory with great joy. With